0: Hey everyone, it's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Getting to Know podcast. Today is a very special, not that they aren't all really special, but a very special Getting to Know podcast because today I'm joined by the president and chief executive officer of ITASA, Olivier Lavaud, who's joining us from where? Somewhere in northern Spain today, Olivier?
1: Yeah, from San Sebastian, uh, Mike. So thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: We're excited to have you. So where exactly is San Sebastian, for those of us who uh, may not get out to that part of the world very much?
1: Do you see where the border between France and Spain is, uh, roughly? So we're uh, just about 15 miles south of the border with with France.
0: So as we record this Getting to Know podcast, we're just a couple weeks away from closing on the acquisition of Itassa. By the time I think this comes out, we will have close and you will be the vice president general manager of our silicone release business aligned with our growth platform around silicone release really excited to have you and the team on board
1: it's great to be part of you Nina.
0: how has the last couple months of your life been olivia
1: they've been busy pretty hectic but exciting as well happy that we're about to be able to move on and and do great things
0: we're excited to have you and we'll meander in and out of some Etasa stuff, some perspective that you have on on Nina and Silicon release in general. Then we'll talk about some personal stuff too, but let's start there. So for the listening audience, if, if there was a desire to grow up as a Frenchman and run a Spanish company with operations in Mexico and Malaysia, stop off and live in Australia and somewhere in the US, and then marry a pretty girl from Hawaii, have a couple boys, be a Red Sox fan. How would they go about achieving a dream like that?
1: I don't know. A lot of it is luck, I guess. I guess that's the that's the biggest part. You got to be uh, lucky to do all of that, and have a desire to explore. Take opportunities when they when they arise. That's been the story of the the last years, and I'm I'm very happy. I've had all these work experiences happen, and most of all, I'm very fortunate that. I have the family that, that we've created with, with Michelle, so I guess a lot of it has to do with luck and seizing the opportunity when, when, it, when it comes.
0: So let's go back to the beginning. So you're, you were born in France? I was born southwest of France. So about
1: an hour from uh, the city of Bordeaux. So you take the Atlantic coast in Bordeaux and you go one hour east. And that's where I was born in a small town called Angoulême. But I was there only for my entire family is from there. And uh, when I was one year old, my parents moved up to Paris. I was raised in Paris and I studied in Paris before moving to the US and, and a few other places.
0: So, so you get out of school, you move to the U.S. What were you doing in the U.S. early in your career?
1: I was working for a paper company. I was working for a paper company, one of our suppliers, uh, Alstrom, a uh, Finnish company. Actually, paper runs in the family. My grandfather was, was in paper and uh, my dad as well. And so, uh, so I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but I've been in paper all my life, basically. So I was working for Alstrom at the time. It was a great great opportunity and actually that's as you know that's where my my first job in in boston that's
0: where i um, i met my wife so michelle was born in hawaii right
1: well actually she was born in in korea she later grew up in in hawaii she spent the first seven years in in korea and then moved uh, moved to hawaii um, her father is from american samoa and her mom is from korea her father was in the army so they moved around a lot and they finally settled in uh, in florida where they are today. Gotcha.
0: So you're back in France. You drive across the border every day to go run run that business of yours. And you've got two boys you and Michelle have added to the mix too. Tell us about them.
1: The little one, he's eight years old, Salmane. Manua is the older one. He's 11. Uh, he'll be 12 in August and they're growing way too fast. My wife always wanted to have a girl. I didn't make that happen. I was talking about luck before. So uh, bad luck on that one, but we're very happy with our with our two boys.
0: We couldn't be more excited uh, to have you and the and, and the team join Nina. Clearly, Silicone Release is one of our growth platforms. So, for the the listening audience who has not been involved in anything remotely close to Silicon Release, how would you describe? your product line, your offerings uh, with Atasa?
1: We buy paper and we coat silicone on it. It sounds uh, very simple, but there's really an art to it. The beauty of this business is it provides a lot of organic growth. It's a business that's uh, growing year on year. It's it's pretty complex. There's a lot of different markets, lots of different dynamics pretty consolidated market so if you look at uh, at the world uh, there aren't too many players that make silicone release liners so if you look at paper in general silicone release liner is sort of a niche market within uh, the paper world so you need to have uh, knowledge there's a lot of knowledge that goes into making release liners there's a learning curve uh, you can't really improvise and become silicone release liner producer overnight. We, we've been actually successful with Itasa because of the fact that we've been able to leverage that knowledge and grow over time, investing in the right assets and, and becoming over the years a true specialist. I think the benefits of being in this business for a long time is the fact that over time we've become a true specialist and that's how we're a little bit different from other players.
0: What would be some of the end products that your silicone release liners would, would end up in?
1: Release liner goes into the manufacturing of airplanes, for example. You take release liner and you use that in the manufacturing process of carbon fiber. That carbon fiber can be used to make airplanes, sporting goods, golf shafts, very high-end bicycles, for for instance. It's used a lot in, in the process of manu- manufacturing cars, so it's it's used in a wide array of, of applications in, in composites. But at the other end of the spectrum, uh, it's used in the manufacturing process of uh, advanced wound care products. For for instance, it's used in a lot of products that we uh, we use every day. Of course, the largest application is label. That's a market that we have in common. So at NINA, you manufacture the face stock, and we we make the release liner that is used as a as a vehicle of that face stock that uh, that you make.
0: So now, after moving around the world with Allstrom, did you? come directly from Allstrom into Itasa, or what was the career path from there? So I moved from
1: Paris to California. Some say that I spent the last two years in in San Diego, so I've heard people say that I was there on vacation for the first two years of my career, which, which is absolutely not true, of course. Then I moved to Boston and I did some real work there. I was in charge actually of Latin America at the time, so I was in Boston, but speaking Spanish all day long. And then from there, I had the opportunity to move to Sydney to handle uh, sales for division at the time of Alstrom, which was called called label and packaging. And then from Sydney, moved back to France for three years and then left Alstrom, started my own business in San Sebastian, actually in pulp and paper. So I was an independent business owner and agent for several paper makers at the time. I did that for about three years, and then I joined the release liner industry by going to a French company called gascon Aminus, and then from there to Itasa.
0: So you joined Itasa, and shortly thereafter, if I'm not mistaken, went through the first Itasa sale pro- process, right? That's right. There was a... Yeah. There's a- Family owned business when you joined? Yes,
1: it was uh, two families created at us in 1974. First sales process was in 2016. So I joined in two th- at the end of 2012. We went through that first process with a private equity. So that was in 2016. So that lasted for four years till now.
0: So when you joined, you weren't president and CEO right away. What What role were you playing early on?
1: I joined as the sales director. Of, of Itasa. And then, probably after a couple of years, the families wanted to sort of take a step back and have someone manage the business. So we sort of agreed that there was going to be a transition period which lasted for about 2 years before they actually decided to uh, to sell the company. So then by the time the company gets sold, I was I had taken on uh, a lot of different roles uh, within the company and uh, you have to understand being the, you know, president of CEO of Vitasa, it's less about the title and more about multitasking and doing a lot of different things, which, which I was doing for two or three years before the company went through the first uh,
0: sale. So what's the best thing about Itasa?
1: One of the great things about Itasa, if probably the best thing about Itasa is the DNA of Itasa is about Growth. That company has been growing since the day it was created. So, to give you perspective. You you know those numbers, but in in 2000, Itasa's revenue was 20 million dollars. Up to, I'm going to round up numbers 140 uh, this year. So, it's really a journey about about growth, about making investments, uh, making the right choices. It's a journey of growth, and and I think that's the the great thing about Itasa is is that we've been growing over time. And with that legacy of growth comes, you know, great responsibilities. And this, this is what I felt from the time that I joined the company. It was the, the expectation was that in a, in a family environment it's sort of a, in a laid back way, not taking ourselves too seriously. Really, it was about how can we keep growing? What decisions can we make to leverage and all that knowledge that I was talking about earlier and carry this to, to the next step? One of the great things that I realized when I joined ITASA is we might not be the most talented, we might not be the brightest, but one thing that we we need to do and we are doing actually is we work harder than, than most. So I think that's the great thing about ITASA is that over the years that those simple values, you know, hard work will give you growth. It's a great thing also to see that with the size that we have and that we've had until now is there's a direct impact of the choices that I make on a daily basis. So I I make decisions and and we can see the the consequences right away and and the the positive impact, hopefully, mostly uh, that those decisions make over time.
0: Your career has taken you from a larger company to doing your own thing, then eventually into a family owned company through a sale process into private equity, and now you're heading back into a public company. Like, I know you're a tough guy, Olivia. We spent enough time together. I'm not questioning that, but what scares the shit out of you right now?
1: <laughs> what scares the shit out of me? Uh, I mean, I think it's not really about being scared. It's more the realization that there are high expectations. It's not really scary. It's more exciting than anything else. There are high expectations for Itasa. We were acquired because made a strategic decision to go towards release liners, you were told that, you know, we can manufacture growth together. So not really a scary thought, but, you know, we're going to need to manufacture that growth and, and do that quickly. So it doesn't scare the shit out of me. It's just, uh, I realize that there are really high expectations.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you've met Julie, there are always high expectations, I find, uh, when she walks in the room. So no, I, I, I get that. Now, flip side of that, what about this situation? are you most optimistic about
1: the reason why i'm optimistic is the you know i take comfort in the fact that we have been able to grow so far and we've done great things we've done things that you know we weren't sure we would be capable of doing putting a new machine in mexico started doing our first greenfield these at the time looked like really high challenges and so we've done that we want to take that, that experience, leverage on all the knowledge that is at Nina. I mean, there's there's a very large organization at Nina uh, that I know is going to support us in that journey toward manufacturing more more growth. And I think from what the first few weeks that we've spent together, I'm very optimistic also because of the fact that I can see there's a great fit. I can see people interacting and, and, and being excited and being happy to uh, talk to each other. And, and I think we all feel that we're capable of the challenge of, you know, growing this business further and uh, as quickly as we can. I think we all feel that we can do it. And we certainly feel that we that we can do it as well. And I think doing it with everyone at Nina is even going to make us feel even stronger and uh, and more confident that we can meet all the challenges ahead.
0: Not that you've had much of an opportunity to not be in the office or tied to a here over the last couple of months but when you do get a chance to get away what's life with Michelle and the boys like
1: it's very much about spending time with the family I mean the without Michelle's support the last four years really wouldn't have been possible so the last four years I've I've spent a lot of time working and working really hard and and my family has been very supportive so the time that I have for, for us uh, on weekends, we sort of I'm sort of glued to my children pretty much all weekend long because uh, I don't see much of them during the week. So we spend a lot of time together. You know, my kids play uh, baseball for instance. So this is how I spend my weekends just really uh, spending time with, with, with my kids and, and my wife and doing family stuff.
0: Have you been more glued to them during the pandemic or are you guys able to get out and about a little bit more?
1: It's been an interesting experience because they've been stuck at home and I've been coming to the office every day. You know, the way I went through the COVID time uh, hasn't changed that much from my for my routine other than not traveling. So I'm, I'm used to traveling quite a bit, and see customers. And so that I haven't done. So that was uh, actually uh, from March until July, that was great because I was I was home every night that was uh, that was a change so uh, we spent a lot of time together that was great
0: so when you're not going to baseball games or or, or chasing them around doing other things like that what are, what are you guys doing at home are you, you watching movies you binging things on Netflix or Amazon or you know I don't even know do you have prime over there
1: yeah we <laughs> We, we do have yeah. Netflix in France, Mike.
0: Well, I, I know Netflix, but I wasn't sure if you have Amazon Prime. I was just talking to a guy in the Netherlands the other day, and he, he looked at me like I was crazy. you have the internet also?
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah. And, and yeah. our TV just yeah. tends to color TVs recently, so. Uh,
0: <laughs> Beautiful. No, we, Beautiful.
1: Uh, yeah, we uh, watch a lot of movies. To be honest, I'm um, I'm a big sports fan, so I spent a decent amount of time watching soccer with my boys. My wife is not really into that, so... Um, we watch series and things like that on, on Netflix. I watch a lot of soccer on TV. To be honest, that's a passion of mine. I really uh, I like watching soccer.
0: Are your boys as much into soccer as they are baseball? Or
1: to be honest, they're more into Fortnite than baseball or, or soccer. They don't really watch much TV. They do play a lot of Fortnite though. That's a little bit. That's turning into a little bit of a problem. We have to control it.
0: That's probably r- about right age wise. When my son was probably about Manwa's age. He, uh, he, he spent a lot of time doing that and he, he sucked at it. Like he was very open, like I'm not good at Fortnite. But as a result, he would watch other kids play Fortnite, which I thought was the most bizarre thing.
1: And this is what they do. And I just don't get that. I don't get it. But at the same time, one can make a point that instead of you know watching other guys play soccer, I could play soccer myself. So I...
0: that point was made to me as well. Not about soccer as much, but yeah, fair enough. So uh, what shows have you guys been watching? Have you binged anything specifically on Netflix or?
1: I watch Netflix, but in France, we have something like sort of similar, like a French uh, series. So I've been watching a lot of the French stuff uh, lately. To be honest, lately, I haven't had a lot of time to uh, catch up on all those series. So,
0: If there were a movie about your life, Olivier, who do you think would play you?
1: Who do I think would play me? Uh good question. I I'll, I'll tell you a funny story only if you promise not to bring it up again. So I'm an only child. I spent a lot of time with my mom growing up and my mom is sort of because I'm an only child, she sort of has this uh I don't know, I guess she has an eyesight problem or she one day we were with having dinner with friends and everybody was listening and then she sort of blurted out that you know, she thinks I look like Brad Pitt. Right? It's striking, right? I mean, yeah. Like 50 pounds ago, maybe I did, but, you know, with hair. Anyway, that's what she said, and that sort of stuck with my friends. And so we play a rugby tournament every year, and so our team is called brad and his friends as a tribute to my nickname and of course my my friends they do have good eyesight it's sort of stuck with me so i'm not sure if there'd be a good movie about my life but uh, anyway
0: i like it i think brad pitt's a great call to play play you in that movie are you a music fan at all
1: i love listening to music i listen to music on my way to work every day not not one specific type of music i'm easy going
0: what was your first ever concert do you remember
1: My first ever concert, you're not going to know who that was. There was a French singer, Jean-Jacques Goldman.
0: Jean-Jacques Goldman. What kind is that like a romantic kind? Yeah, kind of like kind of cheesy, you know, it's like
1: very famous in France, though.
0: Like if I was French, would I be making fun of you right now or? Right now? Yes, you probably would. Then I'd be jealous that you were going and I wasn't. Exactly. Fair enough. Did you go to any concerts when you were in the U.S.? I
1: saw, I remember I saw a concert in Centennial Park once, and I went to a few concerts in San Diego, but nothing, nothing major. Oh, I saw a Jamiroquois in, in San Diego. That was pretty good. Favorite food, Olivier? Favorite food. I love cheese. We have so much variety of cheese. Actually, my wife of all people who when she first moved to France, she hated the smell of cheese. She really hated it. It was it's way too strong. The cheese that you find here, it's hard to find in most places in the US. So and it's really an acquired taste. Um, But uh, I love the variety. I love. Yeah, I love cheese.
0: What's your favorite non alcoholic beverage? Would Coffee? work? Yeah, coffee counts. You drink a lot of coffee? Yeah. Beer or wine? wine yeah well i mean you're you're kind of becoming a french stereotype between the cheese and the wine right now i'm saying wine
1: because it sounds better than beer i I drink more
0: beer than i drink wine to be honest the getting no podcast host is turned on by the beer more than the wine for what it's worth so You, you couldn't go wrong with that is there a brand outside of the paper business a brand that matters to you
1: a brand that matters to me uh well my wife's gonna not gonna like that. I I love Apple, everything Apple. People who know me, they know I have a a small issue with like shopping in general and buying gadgets and stuff
0: like that. Like late at night, you're online doing that stuff? Yes. I can understand that. So sometimes I make not so smart decisions when I'm on my own shopping. So a lot of gadgets, more more technology, preferably like an Apple product, gotcha. If you could have a superpower, what would you choose?
1: A superpower, a time machine. I would take us a year from now ahead, because I think a year from now is going to be better than now. We we're fully integrated. We we spend more time on customers and creating things rather than looking inward and. I know we have to go through it, It's there's no problem with that, and we, we better do it and do it well, but a time machine would be good, a good thing.
0: And it's going to be a lot of work, there's no doubt. You and your team have been experiencing that for months, just getting ready for the sale, for sure, so I know um, there's a ton that goes into that, particularly for the finance crew is my experience, and Victor, Shabi, as they know, it, it doesn't end now, unfortunately. They'll continue to bear a lot of that burden, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work ahead for sure. Where would you take Michelle and the boys for the ideal vacation to celebrate 1 year of success?
1: Well, I've always wanted to go to uh, American Samoa. I'd love to go there with Michelle's dad because I named my my younger son after him and that's where he's from and it's it's far away. I don't think I'd have many opportunities to go to, you know, go so far, so I'd love to make that trip with the kids and and their grandfather. That's great.
0: So, Olivier, at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we hit our guests with three specific questions. So, I'm going to hit you one, two, three right now with those. All right. First one what can at all times be found in the family refrigerator? Cheese. Smelly cheese. Smelly French cheese? Yes. You may have answered this earlier without me asking, but amongst the people who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for?
1: Besides the
0: shopping thing? Besides the shopping thing, which I yeah, I thought you may have hit that.
1: For being the worst packer ever. So I'd go for a two day trip with a very large suitcase.
0: I noticed on a, on a couple day trip to Mexico, I think you pulled out like seven or eight different pairs of shoes in just a couple yes. of days I saw. So I was impressed with that though. Last question for you on that topic. What are you most looking forward to at this very moment, Olivier? my wife's feedback on this podcast when she listens to
1: it <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm looking forward to that also right having had a chance to meet her i think she'll be a great critic for us
1: yes indeed
0: well olivier i uh, i appreciate you taking time out of what is truly a very busy schedule for you with closing upon us i think by the time this getting a Know podcast airs we will just have closed. You're kind of in the witching hour with just tons and tons of things going on. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to uh, to spend some time with us here on the podcast, help us understand a little bit more about you, about Etasa, about the Silicon Line Lease uh, business in general. So thank you very much for your time.
1: My pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks
0: for having me. You bet. You bet. And welcome aboard to you and all of your colleagues. We're excited to have you. And for those of you in the listening audience, thanks for joining us once again. Hope you enjoyed getting to know Olivier. We're excited to uh, to get them in and, and make them a part of Nina and help drive that silicone release growth platform. So we'll talk to you again all in a uh, few more weeks. See you.